Good evening, everyone. It is so great to be back in the Bronx with all of you. I, I, I feel sort of like it's a homecoming. It, it's been a while, but it's great to be back with you. I really appreciate your warmth and uh, just how you've welcomed me here tonight. I've had so many people come up and give me hugs, and I am just so, so grateful for that. And uh, it's been a while, but you know, as disciples, we just, wherever we leave off, we pick up from that point, right? That's the great thing about being in the family of God. And so, I, again, I am so happy to be here with all of you. Uh, you see the topic tonight? It's the Holy Spirit. And we're going to spend some time talking about the Holy Spirit. Super important topic, something that we need to understand as disciples. But before I get there, can I share some good news with all of you? I just want to share a few things that are going on that I'm very excited about. Now, one of the things that I am blessed to be able to do is to train other people. And every year we take a group of people down to the Philly camp, just outside of Philadelphia, the Hope Camp there. And we take a few days for training. And it's an internship program. And this year we had about 80 college-age kids come out to be a part. It was our largest one ever. It was the, the, the one with the uh, also the most campus students that we've ever had together. And uh, not only that, we actually usually have two classes. We had three classes this year. We had a class on New Testament introduction, and then we had a class on intentional discipling. I know, that sounds important, doesn't it? Not just discipling, intentional discipling. And Ed Anton, who leads the, uh, the, the church down in Virginia Beach and uh, oversees many of the churches in uh, the southern states, he taught that class and did an amazing job. Uh, but also, I was able to uh, hand off my New Testament class to some younger teachers, which is something I'm trying to do, is train up the young and bring up some young people, because I ain't getting any younger myself. Uh, so I, I need some people following me. Uh, thank you. That'll keep it going. And so we had like a, a four men and one woman all in their, their late 20s, early 30s, uh, teaching the class on New Testament. And it was, it was a great, great time. That enabled me to teach a class on the parables of Jesus to some people that already graduated from the program. And so we had three classes going on. Amazing time. You see the smiling faces there. Of young people that desire, all they want to do is serve Jesus. They want to be great disciples. Uh, some of them will end up in the ministry, and that'll be a great blessing. And we had a great, great time together. I also wanted to take a moment to share about uh, the, the personal ministry that I lead, and that is I am one of the oldest campus ministers in our movement. It's, yes, it's true. I think that Tom and she, Tom Brown, yeah, Tom Brown, and um, uh, down in Atlanta, he's a few years older than me. Other than that, I'm, I'm probably the, Lee and I lead a campus ministry in the Hudson Valley. A couple of years ago, there was no campus ministry there, and we had a brother named Scott Muscat, who, who's a, who's a great baseball coach on one of the campuses, and he'd been there for years and years, and he thought, I've been graduating all these kids, I've been sending them on and teaching them baseball. I want something to happen with him spiritually. And so he, uh, he decided he's going to have his own Bible talk on campus. He put up flyers around campus. And the first Bible talk, he had one visitor. 
his own son that came with him. <laughs> and that was in the fall semester, and he came to me, he was a little disappointed, I said, Scott, you know, it's a great idea, it's a great idea. Why don't we put it on hold and start in the spring? And in the spring, you know, we'll have new people there, and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be great. And so we started up in the spring, uh, and, and uh, you know, as, as we kept going, uh, I think it was the spring two years ago, we ended up having seven baptisms that one spring semester. Um, all student athletes, baseball players, soccer players, uh, people that are running track, uh, people that are, are, are doing track and field, um, it, it, and we meet in the athletic uh, lounge there at St. Thomas Aquinas University. Scott gets that for us. And so uh, this past semester we had three baptisms, again, all student athletes, and we're studying the Bible with a guy right now that I think is going to get baptized this week. So... It's been super, super encouraging. And um, so I just want you to know, whether you're young or you're old, God can work through you. Okay? And sometimes you might not think you fit the formula, but that's okay, because God's not about formulas. He's just about loving people, taking care of people. And if we'll do that, people will become disciples. This is uh, the Bible talk on Nyack College. We actually, uh, this summer, we're meeting under the gazebo there at Nyack College, and that young man in the middle there with the beard. His name is Gabe Vasquez. He uh, came to New York from Puerto Rico. And uh, he's a great guy. He's uh, leading Bible talks now. He's studying all the way through the, the Bible with people, taking people all the way through. Gabe's one of our, our leaders there on campus. And so, there's just another shot of our campus Bible talk. And uh, it, it's great. It's a lot of fun. One other bit of good news, okay? I haven't been with you in a while. Since I was here last, we've had two grandkids, okay? Yeah, so I would be a really lousy grandfather if I did not show you pictures of my of my two grandsons, and so, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, it's a heartbreaker right there, yeah, I know, um, that's, that's Tyler, he's about 10 months old, and uh, he's wearing an Eli Manning jersey, train up a child in the way that he or she should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it, okay? And so uh, that, that's Tyler. This is Bradley. He just turned two years old, and he's uh, rocking out with the bass guitar right there. Uh, he is all boy. He's a lot of fun. And uh, that's Grandma Lee. They call her Nana, and uh, Nana's reading some stories. I want you to take a look at Tyler's face right there. Uh, he has He's just discovered food. He has a piece of bread in his, in his hand, but he's staring at the bread in Bradley's hand looking for a way to snatch it if he gets an opportunity. Um, I, I can't tell you how much fun they are. If you're a grandparent you totally understand uh, what I'm talking about. The great thing about being a grandparent is they drop them off for a little while, you spoil them to death and then you hand them back. You know, Here you go, they're full of sugar, they're full of caffeine, deal with it. In, uh, in the Hudson Valley, I've been doing a series called Introducing, and I've introduced a number of topics. I think it's good for us at times just to go back and to take another look at things we might already know. But then there's also, when it comes to the Bible, you're never going to know everything. And so there's always something new to learn. 
And so I've done a, a, a lesson on introducing the church. I've done a lesson on introducing intentional discipling. And I've done a lesson on in, introducing the Holy Spirit. And I think you can find those online and take a listen to them if you want to. And I just want to continue this, this thought of, of introducing different topics. I want to do a, a one on introducing grace. I thought this week about doing one on introducing gratitude. And so tonight I want to introduce us to the Holy Spirit. And I want to do it in a specific way. I don't want to use my own words. I'm just going to use the words of Jesus. I want to get into the Gospel of John. And I want to see what Jesus has to say about the Holy Spirit. Because I like to study the Bible just looking at a particular passage of Scripture and seeing everything I can get out of that passage of Scripture. And that's the way that I like to teach and that's the way that I like to preach. And so that's what we're doing. If you want to turn over to John chapter 16, verses 1 through 15, that's what we'll take a look at right now. We're going to look at what Jesus has to say about the Holy Spirit. You guys with me? Okay, here we go. Let's start in John 16, verse 1. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he has made known to you. So this is Jesus talking about the Spirit. The Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, also called the Advocate or the the Guide or the Helper. And when we look at this, it's great because you know we don't have to guess about who is the Holy Spirit. We don't have to go and you know try to okay let me let me listen to a certain preacher and see what a preacher says. We don't have to go to a, a certain church and say, well, is this church teaching on this and what can I learn there? No, we just go to the Bible and let the Bible speak to us and see what the Bible is saying. Because the fact is, if you go to other if you go to preachers and just listen to preachers, you're going to hear a hundred different things. If you go to churches and listen to what churches are saying, again, you're going to hear a hundred different things. But we need to listen to what the Bible says. So we get in the Word, we hear the Word of God, and we draw our conviction and also our doctrine from God's Word. And the great thing about this, this is Jesus Himself telling us what the Spirit is all about. 
who the Spirit is. And there's a number of different points that we can take from this passage to talk about the Spirit. I want to highlight three of them. And then I invite you to go back and read this verse again tonight. Read this verse again tomorrow. Read it the next few days and see what else you can learn about the Spirit from listening to what Jesus has to say. You know, I think it's really, really important that we that we understand more about the Spirit. It's almost like sometimes we're afraid of the Spirit and afraid to talk about the Spirit. But it's a shame. That, that To me, that's a shame because the Spirit should be a vital part of our lives. As disciples, He is in our life. But do we understand that? You know, sometimes the Church of Christ, I heard, I heard one theologian say this about the Church of Christ. He said, the Church of Christ has its own trinity. Instead of the trinity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Church of Christ has the trinity of the Father, Son, and the Holy Bible. And that is a stinging critique about the Church of Christ. But what it's saying is, is that we talk a lot more about the Bible than we talk about the Spirit. And you know what? That's a true criticism. And I think part of it is, is because of Pentecostalism. And we have Pentecostalism all around us. It's one of the fastest growing religious movements in the world. It's uh, taken over now, over 30% of evangelical Christianity has become Pentecostal. And it's continuing to grow. But here's my conviction. I'm not going to allow anyone to steal the Holy Spirit from me. Just like I wouldn't let another denomination that's teaching something steal faith away from me. Or steal the cross away from me. Or steal salvation from me. You know, we need to get in the Bible and just be people of the book and be confident about what we're talking about. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit... We need to be confident about the Holy Spirit and the way that He works in our lives. And we need to be people that believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And be people that are spiritual people because we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. And when you look at this, there's at least three things that you can see about the Holy Spirit. More than that, but I want to, just because of time, I want to point out three tonight. The first is, is that the Holy Spirit is our helper. He is our helper. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He helps us in situations and at times, even at times when we don't know exactly what to say, exactly what to do, the Spirit will be with us. There are times when we don't know what to pray. Paul says, the Holy Spirit goes to the Father for us with groanings that we cannot utter because we just can't put our thoughts into words. The Holy Spirit will be there for us. And the Holy Spirit wants to help us. But here's the thing. we got to open the door for the Holy Spirit to work. And open the door for the Holy Spirit to help. Because if we don't open the door, we're keeping it closed to Him. And it you know, He's powerful, but we, He's not going to go through a closed door. He's going to wait for us to open it. So let's open our, our hearts, open the door for the Holy Spirit to work. How does the Holy Spirit help? In many ways. Let me just introduce you to one word here. This is the only Greek word I will use tonight. Okay? Uh, but I want to use this one. It's a good one. Parakletos. Parakletos, you see it in Greek, and then you see it below there in the English transliteration. So you can see how to spell it in, in, in English. Basically, it means an advocate or a helper or an intercessor. And this is where I get the word helper. I like that of, of all three of these. 
Advocate's good, but we, you know, advocate, we don't always know what an advocate is. Advocate is someone that fights for your rights. That's what an advocate is. An advocate is a lawyer. An advocate is somebody that will go on your behalf and say, I'm going to, I'm going to help this person. I'm going to fight for this person's rights. And isn't it great that the Holy Spirit does that? Goes to the Father and helps us. Makes an appeal and a plea for us. The Spirit will do that. He's also an intercessor in the sense that He will go to the Father for us. That's what an intercessor does. Between two people, the intercessor works something out. But I just like the word helper. Because that to me is what the Holy Spirit does. uh, What His role is. He helps us. He helps us in our life. He helps us to face what we need to face. He helps us to see what we need to see. You know, you ever gotten that time where you you knew you needed a little more conviction in your life? You started praying, and all of a sudden the conviction came? That's the Holy Spirit working in your life. That's the Holy Spirit helping you out. And the Spirit will do that for us. One person translates it this way, uh, talking about Paracletos, says, uh, the, the one who mothers us. And I like that. Because you know, a mom is going to take care of her little child. And she's going to protect her little child. You know, the, the mom is there keeping an eye out on the child. When the bully comes along, what's the mom do? No, you're not bullying my kid. No, 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 not today. Not on my watch. And that's what the Holy Spirit will do for us. Satan comes to pick on us. Satan comes to bully us. And if we're in tune with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's going to help us and say, no, 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 no. Not today, Satan. Not today. You are not bullying on my child today. And we got it. Amen. That's a great thought. Holy Spirit will help us there. But we got to walk with the Spirit. We got to be in tune with the Spirit. We got to be connected with the Spirit. And I'll get into that in just a moment. But this is what a good mother does. This is what a good parent does. And at times we don't know exactly what to do. The Spirit helps there. We don't know exactly what to say. We don't know exactly what to pray. The Holy Spirit will help us there. I had a person the other day say to me, um, it was about, I'd say about four weeks ago now, we were talking, and this guy said to me, he said, you know, I never, I never dreamt that Christianity would be so hard. I mean, it's just so hard. You know, I just, I just don't seem to be able to do it. And why is that? What is that? You know, this was a guy who had given into sexual immorality over and over and over again. And I said to him, I said, Christianity is so hard for you because you're making the wrong choices. You're choosing sin over the Spirit. You're choosing to follow the flesh instead of following the Spirit. And you are not allowing any room for the Spirit to work in your life. Now, all of us are going to have struggles, you know. And a lot of those struggles come from sometimes outside forces. But inside of us, we've got to make the right choices. And we've got to choose the Spirit over the flesh. And this is the choice he was not making. And so, yeah, Christianity was really hard for him. And you know, I said, you know what? It's going to remain hard for you. It's going to be really difficult until you start making the right choices. Choose the Spirit. And I think for all of us that are here tonight, we got to make, we got to do that ourselves. Yeah, I don't, amen. Maybe you've been beaten up by sin a little bit lately. Decide, I'm not going to turn there. I'm going to turn to the Spirit. 
The Spirit will help you. The Spirit will help you fight. The Spirit will equip you to fight. Um, even the sword of the Spirit in your hand will equip you to fight. But you've got to turn to the Spirit and He will help. Someone might ask, they say, well, uh, you know, how do I go about getting the Spirit? You're talking a lot about the Spirit here. How do I, how do I know the Spirit is in my life? Or well, is a great way to answer that too. And that is to go to the Bible. Yeah, I don't have to go to the pastor down the street or the deacon down the street or the theologian in the, in the, the book or the, the school down the street. I can just look in the Bible. How do we get the Holy Spirit? When I read the Bible, what I see is that the Spirit comes to us when we're baptized. And you read in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and it talks here about, you know, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And a lot of times we don't emphasize the next part. That's why I'm pausing so long. Uh, we, we preach hard about repenting and being baptized for the forgiveness of sins. That's the purpose of baptism. We are forgiven when we're baptized. We come in contact with the blood of Jesus when we're baptized. But we don't get to the second part. And there's a little word that joins them. is that word and that means that they're equal in importance. Forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to us when we are baptized. And that's, that's how the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. You know, I like to study, when I study the Bible with people and I get ready to baptize them and count the cost with them, I like to talk to them about you know, everything that you've done up to this point to help you make this decision to be a strong disciple. And I just ask them, I said, what's been there for you? What have you done? They'll say, well, I've read my Bible. I've prayed. You know, I've gotten with you guys and you guys have helped me out. I've come out to church and that's been very encouraging and that's been helpful. And I said, you know what? All of those things are still going to be there after you're baptized. Plus, you're going to have the Holy Spirit in your life. You're going to have salvation of your sins. You're going to have confidence because of your walk with Jesus. All of these things will be there after you're baptized to help you to just keep growing and growing and growing. We need to underscore this. We don't need to pause you know, for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. No. For the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. They're equally, um, they're, they're in equal place. They're both follow that purpose clause. Why are we baptized? Or what do we get when we're baptized? Forgiveness and the Holy Spirit. So that's one way to think about it. How do I get the Holy Spirit? The other way is, if you're a believer, if you're a baptized believer, you just ask. You ask for the Holy Spirit. And if you'll look over in Luke 11, 9 through 13. Amen. So it says, this is a great verse. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, when we usually read that verse, what are, where do we find it? It's not only here in Luke 11, it's in another place. Sorry? In Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount. And then it goes on after that and it talks about um, seeking the kingdom first. It talks about different gifts to look out for in God. But here, very specifically, Luke, Luke zeroes in on one particular gift that God's going to give us if we ask and seek and knock. He says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? We, you know, we talk about asking and seeking and knocking. 
We use that in a lot of different contexts, but we rarely use it in the context of the Holy Spirit. And in Luke, that's specifically how he applies it. Specifically. Ask and seek and knock for the Holy Spirit to be in your life. And so if you want to be more in tune, more connected with the Holy Spirit, then ask, seek, knock. And God will make sure that you and the Spirit are connected with each other. He will not withhold that gift from you. But He will give it to you because He's a loving Father. And He wants you to enjoy that gift. So that's my first point. The Spirit helps. My second point is the Spirit proves the world is wrong. The Holy Spirit proves the world is wrong. The Holy Spirit proves that the world is wrong. Verses 8-11. through 11, When He comes, that's the Spirit, He will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin because people do not believe in Me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see Me no longer. And about judgment because the Prince of this world now stands condemned. And so the Spirit will prove that the world is wrong. You know, the world looks so appealing at times. That's because Satan makes the world look so appealing. There is a deceitfulness that comes along with sin. And so what we have to do is we have to be able to look through that deceit and look through that false appeal and see the decay and the corruption and the death that really resides in the world. And the Holy Spirit will help us to do that if we'll walk in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will help us to choose righteousness over sin. Again, if we walk in the Spirit. So we need to allow the Spirit to help us to see the world's deception. To see the world as it really is. The Holy Spirit will prove the world wrong. And this word for prove, I'm not going to mention the Greek because I promised I wouldn't do that, okay? But the word can also mean to convict or to expose. The Spirit will expose the world for what it really is. It will convict the world for its decay and death and sin. That's what the Spirit will do if we will allow the Spirit to do that for us. You know, sometimes we look at the world and we're so drawn to the world because of the deceit that's there and we fail to just stop and say, whoa, let me just, let me just think a minute before I act. Let me just think before I make a choice. And if we'll take that moment to think between that thought and that action, just that contemplation right there, it gives room for the Spirit to work. So you can see, you know, this, this person who's flirting with you, what's really behind that flirt. And you can say, I, no, no, I'm not choosing that. That lie that you're about to tell your boss, you just pause. Think about it, pause. You know? It's so easy to pick up those supplies at work and just put them in your pocket. But between grabbing, you think, you stop, you contemplate, and you realize, no, that's not who I am. That's not who Jesus is. And the Spirit will help us if we'll make that pause and give Him an opportunity to work. You know, have you ever been into a beautiful apple? Been into a beautiful apple and there's that crunch and you start chewing and then you look down and you realize, I just also bit through a worm. That is not a pleasant thing. You know, and I know some of you have done that. I know it's happened. And so you just like, you you know, you, you get a bit sick because of that. And the same thing can happen with a tomato. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I used to love tomatoes right off the vine, uh, and I'd pull it right off the vine, and I'd bite in, and then I'd look down, and there would be bugs in the tomato. I heard a guy he cut open a cantaloupe. Cut open a cantaloupe, you know, and right there in the middle of the cantaloupe where you have all the seeds, instead of seeing the seeds, he looked closer because he saw them moving and they were maggots. Yeah, I could keep going here, okay? <laughs> but I'll stop, okay? Yeah, yeah, you see thoroughly, thoroughly re- revolted right now, so I'll just, I'll just cool it with that. But wouldn't it be great, wouldn't it be great if we just had a little light that every time we wanted to eat an apple, we just ran the apple under the light to see anything in there, you know? Tomato under the light, anything in there? Cantaloupe. That would be an awesome thing. See, that's what the Spirit will do for us. The Holy Spirit is that light, that spirit of truth that will expose the world around us if we'll walk in the Spirit, stay connected with the Spirit, so that He can do that. We've got to give Him that moment to help us. To give Him that moment, He'll help us, and He'll expose the world for what it really is. We need to listen to the Spirit. He talks about concerning sin, because they do not believe in Jesus. You know, sin destroys, but there is that short-term pleasure. Sometimes we look to that. What the Holy Spirit will enable us to do, He'll help us to weigh the short-term pleasure versus the extreme guilt when we choose sin. The Holy Spirit will help us with that. It will give Him room to work. It says concerning righteousness, because Jesus had gone to the Father and you see Him no longer. Righteousness just means basically making right choices. It also talks about righteousness as our right relationship with God. But because of our right relationship with God, we make right choices, vertical and horizontal. And if we'll make those choices, those right choices, then we will live a life in which we will thrive as disciples. And I know we want to thrive. But you've got to make those right choices. The Holy Spirit will help there. Just stop, contemplate, the Holy Spirit will help. It says, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judge. Concerning judgment, because the Holy Spirit has already found Satan guilty. He's already judged. And so, don't choose the world, choose God. Don't choose the world, choose Jesus. You know, there's some, there's some teachers out there these days that say, there's no such thing as judgment. You might have heard some of them. Just positivity preachers. They're, they're everywhere. Um, happiness preachers. Um, prosperity preachers. And there's no judgment. Come here, there's no judgment here. There's no judgment. We're all going to be saved in the end. God is a God of love and love's going love's to win in the end. And you know, the problem with that is, all of that is so unbiblical. They are just preaching to, to, to itching ears. To people that want to hear that stuff. I had a lady, she came in uh, the other day and um, she gave me a physical for an insurance policy. And I told her, she said, what do you do? I said, I'm a preacher. She said, oh, I love Joel Osteen. I probably shouldn't mention names, but I'm going to mention his name anyway. Okay? Uh, I, I love Joel Osteen. And um, actually the illustration wouldn't work without that. Without that, Because she's the one who said it. And she said, what do you think of Joel Osteen? And I said, you know, and it was, I was so tempted. 
I was. I was so tempted. I'd just say, well, you know, if you like him, that's cool. You know? And just to sort of shrug it off. And, but she asked. And so I said, I am not a fan. I am not a fan. And she was like, really? Why not? I said, well, first off, he rarely uses the Bible. And then second off, what he says isn't even in the Bible. And, and so we went on and talked about it a little bit. You know, I don't know, I don't know that I got to her heart or anything like that, but she knows where I stand on prosperity theology. It's just wrong. It's unbiblical. Because the Bible does preach about judgment. It does. And here's the thing, when you think about it, without judgment, there would also be no salvation. Why should we go out and try to make disciples of the world around us? Why should we go out and try to help people come out of sin? Why should we help people turn their lives around and be saved in Christ Jesus if at the end of the day, love's going to win and we're all going to be saved? It just makes no sense. And it makes no sense because it's not biblical. Universalism is not in the Bible. You'll find it all over churches today. But it's not in the Bible. We have to be a people of the book. And being a people of the book means that we are going to stand against false doctrine. We're going to stand against false teachers. And we're going to preach what we see in the text. And in this text, it talks about judgment. The Holy Spirit will help us to understand about judgment. And help us to look at the world around us and realize it's already judged. Satan is already judged. You ever read the book of Revelation? You understand what you're reading there? No, not really, right? I mean, if we're honest, we get some of it. Revelation 2 and 3, the letter to the churches, we get that, you know. A lot of this stuff in the middle between chapter 3 and then you get to the end, like chapter 20. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there. That's a lot of images. And you know what? I'm with you. I don't understand everything in the book of Revelation. But I understand this. At the end of the world, Jesus wins. And that's all I need to understand about Revelation. When I choose Jesus, I'm on the right side. And when you cling to the Holy Spirit, He'll help you have a conviction about that type of thing. Because that's what the Spirit does. He proves the world wrong. Okay, point number three. You guys still with me? (laughs) All right, here we go. Point number three. Let me see how I'm doing here. All right, I'm good. The Holy Spirit will guide us to all truth. That's what the Holy Spirit also does. He guides us to all truth. John 16, verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. You know, truth is reality. Some people want to debate about uh, truth um, and being subjective and that kind of thing. Um, But truth is reality because God establishes truth. We don't establish truth. And we look around the world today and we see all the fluctuation in morals and in ethics. That's because people are saying, well, truth is relative based on how you live and what you understand. But God has established truth for us. You look, for example, at the truth of the law of gravity. Gravity will always win. You jump up, you're going to come down. That's just the way it is. You make the longest leap you can possibly make across the Grand Canyon. And you can break the world record. You, know, you can jump you can jump farther than anyone has ever jumped and you're still going to hit bottom. Because gravity always wins. God set it up that way. 
And there's also spiritual truth that God has established. There's moral truth that God has established. And it doesn't matter if the lawmakers want to change those, those truths. They can't because God has established these truths. And the Holy Spirit guides us into these truths. Truth is a reality. And it's like gravity. It's going to be there. So you better learn to live with it. And here's how you live with the truth of God's Word. You walk in His Spirit. You walk in His Spirit and He'll guide you into truth. And He'll teach you about truth. And He'll help you understand truth. And I pray, when I study the Bible, I pray, Spirit, lead me to what you want me to learn today. Because He's the Spirit of truth. If I'm looking for only what I want to see, that's the wrong prayer. And that's the wrong way to read the Bible and to look at the Bible. I've got to, I've got to let the Spirit guide me when it comes to following the truth. You know, we have to learn to live with gravity, right? Because it's truth. And when it comes to the law of God, we learn to live with the law of God. Because it also is truth. I'm going to show you a little clip here, a little video clip about a little child who was learning to live with the law of gravity. Can you, can you walk? child learning to live with the law of gravity. And at times, uh, people would come in and help. Mom would help out. Dad would help out. Sister would help and hurt. You know, <laughs> Sometimes she was helpful. Sometimes she wasn't so helpful. <clears throat> but here's the thing. If you want to learn to live with the law of Christ, if you want to li- learn to live with the law of, sp- of just spiritual truth, the Holy Spirit will help you there. The Holy Spirit will be like the mom coming in to lend you a hand. The father coming in to help out. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. It's not, you know, when we're trying to change something in our lives, and especially if it's something deep in our character, you have to, that takes work. It does. I mean, you have to pray about it. You have to get conviction from the Scriptures about it. You have to get with brothers and sisters and, and get discipling on it. You have to be open about it. You know, you have to make sure that you're an open book, not an onion. You know the difference? An open book is just right there, just laid open right in front of you. An onion has all these layers that you have to work through to get to the core. And that's messy. It's messy to try to get, to break an open, an onion open. I mean, you start crying and, and there's all this mess and, you know, unless you're going to fry it up at the end, it's just, it's just a terrible mess. But you know, when you fry something up, everything's better. Did you get that? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Don't be an onion. Be an open book. 
and, and talk to people about things that are going on. But here's another thing. Talk to the Spirit. Be an open book to the Spirit. Let the Spirit help you. Now, especially if you're struggling with something that's a, that's a character change or an addiction. And let's face it, sin is highly addictive. That's why we shouldn't play around with it. It's highly addictive. And if you find yourself in that situation where you've just become an addict to sin, a specific sin, then you need the help of the Holy Spirit to break you out of that. Get in the Word with the Spirit. Learn the truth of the Scriptures. Get in prayer. Get get with someone and talk to someone about what's going on in your life. And let the Holy Spirit help you to learn to walk in the truth. This is so important, you know, that we that we do this. Um, I also want to encourage all of us, as we're doing this, to be learners. Be a learner. You know, I, I got with a guy the other day... Um, about two weeks ago now, and he said, this guy's been a disciple for probably 25 years. He leads a ministry. He was actually, he has a PhD in sociology and was the head of the religion department at the university where he taught. Recently, he's um, left that job to be full-time in the ministry. Um, but he did that for, for a, you know, I don't know, a decade or more. So this is not a young disciple. And I looked at him and I said, bro, what are, you, what are you reading these days? What are you learning these days? And he said, Steve, you know what? I'm trying to do right now in my life I'm trying to have the mindset of a rookie I want to be a rookie you know what a rookie is a rookie is that beginning player that first year player who should show up at camp just ready to learn ready to work ready to, to, to be taught whatever he needs to be taught in our Bible talk that we had, uh, you know, we've had over in um, in the Hudson Valley, we had two guys that came out consistently for a couple of years that were just drafted by the Oakland A's. It's pretty cool. You know what? They just finished a couple of the, uh, the really, I guess, the best season they've ever had. Um, one of them, his name is Joy, was the most valuable player for not just his team, not just the, the conference, but the region for the past three years. Okay? He just broke the record at St. Thomas Aquinas College for the most hits ever in one person's career. So he now holds that record. But when he shows up day one for camp with the Oakland A's, he will act as if he knows nothing because that's a healthy attitude to have. And as disciples, it's good for us to be rookies. Always learning. Always growing. Always seeing what we can do better. And the Spirit will help us there. The Spirit will help us because He will guide us into all truth. Um, I want to share a, a dream I had. It's not a weird Holy Spirit dream or anything like that, so don't, don't think that. It's just a dream that I learned a lesson from. Um, and I want to hopefully illustrate this point. Uh, you know, I went to that Philly camp and I was sleeping on this mattress that felt like a rock. I mean, was, uh, there was no air conditioner, you know, it just is this mattress that was so hard. So I didn't sleep very much, but I did have these crazy dreams. And one night I, I had a dream about my son Daniel. Uh, he's grown, he lives in San Diego. He's been going through some medical problems, so he's almost always at the front of my mind instead of the back of my mind. And I'm sure because he's at the front of my mind, I, I had a dream about him. And I, dream, I had this dream that Daniel was in this three-story building. I, I can see it right now. He was in a three-story building, and he was at the, the top floor looking out the window. 
And he was just waving at me. Hey, Dad, how you doing? And I was waving back at him. Hey, Daniel. And the building collapsed. It just collapsed. One story on top of the other story on top of the other story. And I could still see the stories that were there, but I had no image of Daniel in that window. And so I ran into the building. Actually, there was a guy that was with me, and he tried to hold me back. And I said, you cannot hold me back. He said, no, I'm gonna... I called the fire department. They're on the way. I said, I don't care. They're not here now. And so I ran into the building. And I ran up and I checked that third story window and he wasn't there. And so I just started digging. I started ripping through the flooring. And I became the Incredible Hulk. I just like, ah! And I started ripping through the flooring. I started ripping through the, 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 the wall. And I started looking, looking. And I was like, no, where is he? Where is he? And then I tapped. I was like this. And Daniel tapped back. I could hear him tapping back. But I couldn't see him. So I ran to the floor below. And there was the window there. And I thought, well, maybe he's here. So I started again. I ripped through the flooring. And I was yelling, Daniel, Daniel. And he's, I could hear him, Dad. But he wasn't there. And so I went down one more floor and I thought, he's got to be here. And I ripped through the floor and there he was. And he looked up at me and he said, Dad, I knew you would come. And I thought, that's the spirit we need to have inside of our hearts, inside of us, when it comes to searching for the truth, and when it comes to walking with the Spirit, and when it comes to being spiritual people. We just gotta want it. We've gotta want to be more want to be spiritual more than we want the world. You gotta want to walk with Jesus and be with Jesus, become like Jesus more than we want to try to please people around us. We just gotta want it. And also when it comes to the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, we've gotta want Him in our lives. We gotta want Him. And whatever tries to get in our way, whatever conflict it might be, whether it's thinking about worldly things or it's not taking the time to get in the Scriptures and pray, or it's not coming out to things, being a part of things the way that we need to be, but we need to, we just need to say no to those things. No, I'm not going to be that way. I'm going to keep searching until I know I'm walking with the Spirit. I want to encourage you to have that attitude. Do you search? Do you dig? Do you tunnel for spiritual growth? Do you keep on digging for a connection with the Holy Spirit? We have to stay focused on the Spirit. We need to walk with the Spirit. We need to think Spirit, talk Spirit, focus on the Spirit. Be with the Spirit. In our fellowship, we need to talk more about the Spirit. The Spirit needs to be on our mouths. He needs to be on our tongues. Instead of saying, I did this, we need to say, the Spirit did this. Instead of, I was able to accomplish this, the Spirit did this this for me. You know, we will often say, Jesus did this for me. Jesus, He can fix it. What about the Spirit? The Spirit's your helper. The Spirit's your guide. The Spirit will lead you into all truth. He will fix it also. But we've got to be people that include the Spirit in our vocabulary and be intentional about that. Intentional until we change the way that we think, the way that we talk, the way that we live, the way that we act, what we focus on. We need to be people People of the Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is with us, and He wants to help us. I challenge all of us, over this next week, over these next two weeks, over the next few months, let's become more and more and more people of the Spirit. Amen.